We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. Because of you and your prayers, amen. We had a good prayer meeting last night, and uh, it was just kind of quiet, just kind of smooth. Some folks would say, that's not prayer. Oh, it was too. Strong waters run deep. Deep waters run strong. Matthew 11, 1 through 3. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples And said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? John sent a question from the prison cell to Jesus. Now just just try to picture this for just a few moments. Jesus was trying to go preach. He just got through talking to the, to the church, to the disciples already, the then known church. And he's going out to teach and preach in the cities. And a man that he loves so much, cares so much for, and has spent some incredibly important moments with is in a bind. And when he gets in a bind, he starts asking, is that, is that really who we were supposed to be following? And so I want to preach to you for just a little bit and do a little teaching as well. We may dig around a little bit. Just this simple thought. A prisoner with a question. A prisoner with a question. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. You're an on-time God. Every time, all the time. You've never left us. You've never forsaken us. You're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Just ask you to move us with your message tonight. Let us hear it. Let us understand it. Let us respond to it, each and every one of us. Because if we're not in such a time, it will come. We'll be in such a time. So let this word, let this seed begin to grow in our heart. We'll give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Come on, let's just love him one more time together. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout his name with a voice of triumph. Who forgave you? Hallelujah, what a God. Amen. A prisoner with a question. You may be seated. I want to point out a few things about this particular reading. And uh, first of all, I just want us to know and, and recognize who John is. I mean, the guy that's asking this question, th- this makes for a huge story. It's, it's why it makes the pages of the Bible. I'm going to give you all a minute. Y'all aren't ready. Let everybody get settled. So, th- this is this is not just anybody a, a fly by night. This is not just somebody that 
peeked in on what would become Christianity, what would become a crucified Savior, and, and just peered into his world a minute and said, how you doing? Good to see you. Glad I got to meet you. This is John. I mean, this, this is somebody that, 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 that heard a voice from heaven. He's born for a purpose. The only purpose he's born. The only reason. Uh, he wasn't born because of, of uh, some promise to a mother, although that happened, but there was a specific reason for the promise. Uh, th- this is John. I mean, it, this, is, uh, this is huge. This is, this is important. You think of the most spiritual person, if you will, or, or the greatest minister or the ones that introduced Christ to you, and you imagine them possibly having questions now after introducing you to Jesus. They have questions of their own about who Jesus really is. This is somewhat of the setting. And so John is the one that would ultimately introduce Jesus Christ to the pages of this book as Jesus. He would introduce to him, uh, to the world, the, the Savior. He would say, uh, he's got to increase and, and I'm, I've got to decrease. And he, he would be the one that comes from uh, the wilderness dressed funny. He's got a funny diet. He's peculiar. He's living a separate life before separate life was. He's, he's an important figure, a very, very important figure to the coming, the first coming of Jesus Christ. And so as a matter of fact, as I have stated, he's born for the purpose of introducing Jesus to the world. And then he would fade off the picture by plan and by design. And this is the man, the Bible declares him as one who is crying in the wilderness. As, as he comes into uh, uh, focus, if you will, to, to humanity from the wilderness, he, he's crying, he's got a voice that's shouting out that, that there's somebody, there's more, there's, there's a message, there's forgiveness, there's hope. you got to remember the setting. You're, you're looking at a nation and a world that's looking for a Messiah. They're waiting on a Messiah. They're hoping for a Savior. And, and out of the woods comes John. Out of the wilderness. Some say that's not woods at all, but a desert. But ever, ever how you want to read that, here he comes. He steps to the forefront and he, he's funny looking. He, he's got locust and, and honey in his beard because that's his diet. He, he's dressed like the Flintstones. I mean, this guy is quite a sight. He really is. He, 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 he doesn't belong on the front of any magazine in modern world times. And he's a very interesting character. And so he's not worried about people's opinion. He, he's not worried about what he looks like or what anybody else thinks. He, he, he's on a mission. Some people describe John very simply as this way, and I would agree, but I'd have to add, I've heard someone say that John was a man with a message. That would fit, but I could go so much further and I'd rather say it this way. There was a message that had captured a man. Because there was more to John than John. There was more message to John than John. And so he was all about one thing. And so 
The message comes from the wilderness, does the messenger rather. And it's the real deal. Everybody starts realizing he has followers. He, he, he forms a discipleship, a little church following, if you will. And he begins to baptize people. It's before the name of Jesus is introduced at, like we would do here tonight. But he's baptizing people to the best of his ability. He just says, hey, y'all got to turn away from your sin, turn away from your wickedness. I, I'm going to just baptize you under repentance. Repentance, and he would do that. He he was a great guy. He was a great man with a great purpose. This is the man that just a few chapters earlier in this same book, check this out, in chapter 3 and verse 11, look what he says. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost... And with fire. As he grew spiritually, John would even make statements like this. Look at John chapter 3, 28 through 30. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase but I must decrease. So we look at a guy who knows and understands what his life is, what his value is, what his purpose is. I would love to believe and I would love to think and, and in some sense I know it's not just my job but it's my calling and I know someday that if time stands I will leave this world by way of the grave. Otherwise I plan to go in the rapture but it will probably never be said of me I was a message carrying around a man. It'll probably never be said of me that the only reason I was born, I wasn't born to be the third and youngest son of my mama and daddy. And I wasn't born to be the husband of my sweet wife and the granddaddy to three and soon to be four grandchildren. It won't be said uh, that I was just born to preach the gospel, that dash that's between my birth date and my death date. It won't just be minister. But in John's life, there's not a whole lot more that you can say about him. It's really what he was designed for. He was structured for that. That's all about his purpose. Uh, most exciting time in his life. Can you imagine? Just, just let your mind run wild for just a few moments. The most exciting time in his life was to know Jesus and to rub shoulders. Can you imagine being, uh, if not the first, ultimately to be one of the first besides the parents of and maybe a couple of more that had some insight? Can, can you imagine being raised and rub shoulders with Jesus Christ and run a foot race with him and being family and had Thanksgiving as it were in those days, whatever that would be called, and have God. Go, go to the feasts of Pentecost with him and, and it just be the friend of Jesus Christ but to know in your heart you're born to introduce this man to the world as the Savior can you imagine I mean, what a time, what a time, what, what an incredible moment. The most exciting times in his life. He has the privilege of baptizing Jesus Christ. Think about that. 
Think about it. And he was so humbled that when Jesus is doing it out of an act of submission and leading the way because he was sinless, he didn't need any baptism, but he was showing how to do it and what to do and, and the process and that he himself had committed in the flesh to everything in the world, even taking on the sins of the world to a cross to die. He would be baptized. And he said, baptize me, John. I'm paraphrasing. John said, oh, no, it's not you that needs to be baptized. I need you to baptize me. Imagine that moment. John breaks down. He says, okay, I guess I'll do that. And so he does. He follows the commandment of what's about to be explained and explored as the Messiah and what would come to be known as Jesus the Christ, the, the man, God, flesh, all robed in one. And the Bible said the fullness of the Godhead dwelled bodily in Christ Jesus. John is about to baptize God. Did you hear that? The fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily in Christ Jesus, the man. John is about to baptize God. He says, no, I want you to baptize me. Jesus said, no, you're going to baptize me. He takes him and he puts him under the water. And there's a voice. Heaven begins to rumble. There's this voice that says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The Spirit of God speaks on behalf of the flesh of God. The essence of the man speaks to let the world know at that moment and to let John know what you've got in your hands is not just another man that's passing through. Can you, I'm making a point right here and I'm taking a long time intentionally to make it. I want us to understand who this is asking the questions. Who is it that's had a bad day? Who is it that's found themselves in a prison cell undeservedly? Who is it that people are talking about and mocking and making fun of and getting ready and excited for the day where he'll lose his head? It's the man that baptized the flesh of God. It's the man that introduces him to the world and said, here he is, behold. You've been following me a long time, but let me just kind of slip off the pages and there's your leader. Ooh. But now, now look, there's been a shift are you ready? Are you ready for the word now? There's been a shift because we go back to our text and now John is looking for a sign. Now he's been imprisoned because he's a preacher of the gospel and hell has designed a way to get rid of him. So they think. See, sometimes the enemy, when he tries to come against people, and come against the people that are trying to do right. He'll even use what looks right to tear down what really is right. It always backfires. It never works. Hell paid the price then and it still pays the price today. But here's John in the prison cell and he's, he's looking for a sign now. He's saying, 
I was there. I baptized you. I lived my whole life for you. I stayed away from everybody. I didn't wear modern clothes. I didn't eat modern food. I didn't run with modern men. I didn't do the things that modern people do. And now here I am. I'm in jail. And I'm about to, I'm about to lose my head. I'm about to die. The, the, the shift has changed. Those exciting moments when the altar call came and, and the songs of, of our favorite style were being sung. And we began to, to get carried away in the spirit. And we could feel a little something moving up and down our spine and we step out in the pew and go to the altar and worship maybe even get a little dance on all of a sudden the enemy looks like he's got you cornered the difference is you've never introduced Jesus physically you never baptized God in the flesh you never were born for the one singular purpose of introducing him So now there's real questions, what's going on? I want to teach and preach for just a few minutes to some people tonight that especially this time of year, depression goes like up by two-thirds. I hadn't studied that this year, but I have in years past that medications and stuff from, from from the end of October up until the end of January, medications for depression and anxiety and paranoia and all kinds of things. This is a time of year. A lot of times people say, well, it's the holidays, we're missing and the ones we love, things are going on. I wouldn't disagree with you at all, but I would add that during Thanksgiving season that the people of God have thanks. Hell hates that. We get ready to celebrate Christmas. Hell hates that. So he'll do everything he can to tear down our mind, to tear down the way we think. And the Bible said that the enemy will always take over a simple mind. It happens too many times we allow ourselves to become vulnerable to what happened to the shout, what happened to the dance. I promise you this, whether you've been filled with the Spirit or not, whether you've been baptized or not, whatever the depth of your experience is, it does not end the struggles of life. You'll still have some struggles. Here's the difference. He said, I won't just walk you to it and leave you alone. Once you've got my name and once you've got a promise of the infilling of the Spirit, I will take you through the struggle. I will take you through the problem. There may be a lot of things that have happened in your life since you proclaimed your excitement about who Jesus was, since you were walking around on your block inviting everybody you knew to church, since your Instagram page and your TikTok and and your Facebook and and whatever it is that you're involved in. I don't even have a couple of those except one for the church, but here I wonder, I wonder, are you still as excited as you used to be? When you first came in the church, you would have gave up anything. You'd have got rid of anything. You'd have picked up anything. You'd have set anything aside. You'd have said, God, I'll do whatever it takes because I'm getting an opportunity to stand by you by the water. I'm getting a chance to introduce you to my friends. I'm getting a chance. But now all of a sudden we're a prisoner in our mind with some questions. Why don't I feel what I used to feel? Because you're not as hungry as you used to be. Why in church what it used to be? Because you're not standing up through the preaching. You're not standing up through the song service. You're not walking around clapping your hands. The things you've done when you were hurting the worst, when suicide was on your mind, the thing that you've done is the thing that'll bring you back to an excitement in God. 
We got to get ourselves back. Oh God, why me? You see, John is Christ's greatest witness for the longest period of time. Now, all of a sudden, he finds himself in a prison for what? For speaking truth to power. That's the only reason he spoke the truth. He spoke godliness and purity to Herod. You see, Herod had his eye on his sister-in-law. Wasn't long, he had his brother killed for the sole purpose of taking his wife. Herod, a worldly man, John recognized it and he went to him and he said, hey, I want to talk to you, Herod. There's a situation going on here. You, you, you can't have that woman. It ain't right. It ain't godly. It's sin. It's going to bring, it's going to bring eternal damnation. It's going to bring fire down on your head. You got to pull things together. It embarrassed Herod because although he liked John real well, he didn't like the fact that what he was doing was challenged by the man of God. So he said instead of being challenged, so they throw this big party. And Herod's woman now has a daughter. And if you read into it, and if you read into the history of it, and if you read all that you can read and, and find out every little detail, what you'll find is that when a, when a king said something publicly and did not carry it out publicly, he'd be ousted. Most of the time he'd lose his head on the guillotine or he would be hanged. Once he said it, it had to be done. It's why Daniel had to go to the lion's den. That king loved him. That's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to go to the fiery furnace. That king loved them guys. But once he made a public statement, he couldn't go back on his word. And so here it is. There's a party going on. And, 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 he, and the wife don't like the idea that Herod's been challenged by John, this weirdo anyway that don't dress like the rest of us, don't act like the rest of us, and don't look like the rest of us. He's a strange cat anyway. I don't know how come you ever even got close to be friends with him. God always puts the right people in the right place at the right time. So all of a sudden, here it is. John's told Herod how it is. And the party goes on. And the wife says something to her daughter. She says, hey, I want you to do something here in just a little while when the music plays. I want you to go out and I want you to entice Herod. I want you to dance a provocative dance. You make sure you get his attention. The music fires up and the dance begins. She has one purpose. That's to get the man's mind on something besides what could possibly be wrong in his world. And all of a sudden, Herod's heart and his mind and his body, everything is responding. And he speaks to his wife because it's the party for her and for them. And he says, I'll do anything for you. I'll give you anything you want up to half of the kingdom. What do you want? And Satan slipped in right there. Didn't realize he's carrying out the will of God. He never knows. He's still ignorant. So he steps up and she says to him, Hun, if you'd bring John's head out to the middle of this party on a charger, put it on a silver platter with a lid on it, 
That would make me happy. Oh, darling, I can give you half the country. I can let you be over half the army. I, I can give you half of everything. We can cut the, the palace in half. I can give you half the, half the men, half the chariots, anything but John. No, you've said it publicly. And you're the king. And you're going to keep your word. Reluctantly, it happens. John's thrown into the inner cell and, and the time is about to come. It's just hours now. There's a countdown. You see, there's a shift. There's been a command for his death. There's been, there's been an ultimatum. The, the king has, has stamped it with a signet and he said, whatever you want. And, and when he looks back down, the haunting words of that woman that was working in a way of evil in his ear saying, give me the head of the man of God that's against our lifestyle." Oh, y'all don't get too serious on me because it gets good. Now all of a sudden, John, the man that baptizes the flesh of God, he finds himself like many of us do. God, how is it that I go to church? Come on. I'm probably the only one in here, so let me just preach to me. How is it I go to church? How is it that I, I support the church financially and with my prayer and with my time and with my skills and with my talent? How is it that I sing in the choir and, and give up a Sunday in the nursery and work on the security team and here two hours almost early every Sunday for, for Sunday and spend four or five hours throughout the day? How is it I can do all of this and all of a sudden I find myself in a situation where I'm trying to figure out, were you even the right one? With this cancer diagnosis, we've given up so much. We've lived in such an odd way and changed our lifestyle and had to walk away from some friends and some family to keep our walk with God pure and clean. And we were odd ducks among people. And now all of a sudden, you're leaving me. What is the deal? He's got questions, you see. Not only is he, a, is he a prisoner behind bars, but I'll tell you greater than that, he was a prisoner of his mind. Because the enemy knows you can go behind bars and you'll have commissary, you'll have a visit, you'll be able to see through a window, you'll have people talk to you. As a matter of fact, I can prove that. His disciples came and conversed with him. It's one thing to be a prisoner behind bars. It's another thing to wake up every day with the same fears and the same worry and the same sorrow that drags you down to your knees and you start saying, God, what is the deal? Why is it that every time I start working so hard and I start to accomplish something? Y'all good? Am I the only one that's ever started to ask those questions? Anybody that's ever lived for God one week, if you really live for him. Now, if you just tapped your foot in the water, you might not have got hit. But once you start living for God, you just, you just write it down. You're going to be a target. But here's the deal. The moment you're the target, the Lord says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against it. The bishop quoted him, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You're designed to be the head and not the tail, the lender and not the borrower, the first and not the last. You see, what had happened to John is his excitement about the baptismal moment, his excitement down at the water's edge, his excitement coming out of the wilderness had started to wane a little bit. Now that it has, there's a trouble there.
trouble always cause you to really check yourself and see who you are. Jesus answers that question. Those two disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we just left the prison house. John's about to lose his head here in a little bit. He's a prisoner. But greater than that, he's a prisoner in his own mind and he's got a question for you. He wants to know something. He wants to know, are you really the one that he was supposed to introduce Are you really the one that he was supposed to baptize? Are you really the one that he was supposed to say, I'm going to fade away and he's going to ascend in your life? Or should we start now looking for the real God? Folks, this is John. He walked with him. He talked with him. He heard him speak. He, He watched miracles and signs and wonders. He was kinfolk. He knew But in the lowest of times, a prisoner with a question, he'll always get an answer to. The question is asked, listen to the response in Matthew eleven four 4 through 6. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended. I'm fixing to preach to some people that you've been battling for a long time. There's a word for you tonight that said if you just hold your head up and trust what I told you at the river and trust what the heavens spoke to you at that moment and trust what you felt back then, the day's coming when you're going to conquer this thing. You just need to know I'm still God. I'm still in control. The blind are seeing. The deaf are hearing. The dumb are talking. The lame are walking. The lost are being found. A prisoner with a question, hear the answer. He's still the God of your family situation. He's Jesus over your finance. He's Jesus over your health issues. He's Jesus over your depression. He's Jesus over schizophrenia. He's Jesus over anxiety. He's Jesus. Somebody needs to hear me right now. He's Jesus over the fears that hell has brought to you. No, your body won't live forever, but if you'll set your soul up for success. How is this happening to us? We gave our life. Prisoner with a question. Who? What? When, where, why, 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 Lord, as soon as I made a pledge to the church, I I lost my job. I'll tell you why. Because there's a better one waiting. See, some folks don't believe that, but I've watched it. I've lived it. I've walked that road. I've watched that out. I've worked that out. I've said, God, how will this work? How will this ever work like this? It don't make a lick of sense to me. And he said, just let me be God, and you just keep knowing that I'm healing the blind. 
I'm raising the dead. Somebody needs to hear me right now. There's some prisoners with a question in this place on Wednesday night. And I want to tell you, while I preach to you, I'll preach to me that Jesus Christ is still the answer. He is still the answer. He's still the only one true living God that can settle the issues with the wave of a hand or the puff of a breath or the mole of the clay. He can still change it. See, the enemy's got you convinced in your prison. It's a prison of your mind that your children will never be saved. But let me remind you, don't get offended. He said, blessed are they, favored are they. Don't be offended in me. You just live it out until you die and know that I'm in control. What was he telling John? Was he, was he telling John, John, okay, I'm going to change the plan for you. I'm going to make it where you wasn't born just, just to introduce me. I, I'm going to change the plan for you. I, I, no. Sometimes God don't change the plan. Sometimes we go through a valley. Sometimes we go through a season. Sometimes we go to back-to-back seasons. But sure as two valleys make a mountain, one valley makes two mountains. You didn't hear what I said. I said as sure as it takes two valleys to make one mountain, it takes two mountains to make one valley. It's all in how you want to see it. I choose to live in one valley, not two. I choose to smile today, not frown. I choose to preach about him instead of curse him. I choose to be like Job and tell somebody around me, You're speaking foolish to me. He's been there for me. It's not time to give up. Sister Beckham, I'm done. It's not time to throw in the towel. It's not time to question. Now just recognize this. That the very people that John led to Jesus are now the people asking Jesus for John. Is he the real deal? Can you imagine the years and the time you have invested? Your children that have watched you, your neighbors, your co-workers, your husband, your wife, those around you that may not be saved. What happens if they see you asking questions? You're the only Jesus they ever knew. You're the only connection they ever had. You're the only one that can get answers because I promise you they were questioning before John was. Walk out on God. Lose your mind. Act crazy. Go paint the town. It'll be the people that you help bring to God that'll question before you ever do. It's why it's so important That once we start living for God, we hold that line. Is there tough times coming? Absolutely. You may have some problems. You may have some health issues. You may have some financial struggles. You may have some problems in your marriage. You may have some questions that that there seems to be no answers that are big enough to take care of it. You may have some legitimate things to talk to God about. But here's what I want to tell you. While you're a prisoner with an answer, he's a, with a question, he's a God with an answer. 
while you're a prisoner with a question. I love the way Jesus responds. He doesn't curse him. He doesn't rebuke him. He comes back with love. Because he knows John is going to know how to respond to what he's about to say. Because John has seen the blind eye open, the deaf ear unstopped, and the lame feet walk. He's watched the withered hand stretched. He's watched the demoniac bow down at the feet of Jesus free. He knows, and what he doesn't know, he's heard plenty about. He's there. He's in the time. He's in the moment. And living in that moment, the closest man to Christ Jesus of that day had questions. So don't let the enemy tell you you're terrible. Don't let him convince you that you're not worthy. I've heard it said lots of times, and it seems like I said this recently, or maybe I said it to somebody in a Bible study or witnessing to somebody. I don't know what it was, but I've heard people say all the time and several times, don't question God. I said it right here just a couple of services ago. Don't, don't question God. Yeah, don't question His deity. Don't question His ability. John made that mistake. And the Lord still responded to him kindly. He didn't say, you heathen, you rat. You. No. He said, you go tell John. All the miracles are still happening. But the key to that whole thing was... Blessed are they that are not offended in me. We won't always have our way, but we can't lay down on our back and kick our feet like some little brat. Spiritually. Sometimes we got to just suck it up hold it all in and let our response filter through what's right I remember Gavin you getting ready boy I, I hope you're as ready as I am I'm getting excited I I remember Hey, baby, do I have my, is my shirt close? I'm sorry, I, sh- I should have. Thank you so much. Oh, she's the best, y'all. Y'all didn't see that, she went. The last time Missy and I flew to Denver, Y'all all know we like to snow ski in the winter. That's kind of it's kind of our thing. Some people like the beach, and that's that's a cool place. But we like the mountains. We like to go to the top. And we like to come down on two little two and a half inch pieces of fiberglass. Every now and then. The last time we we, we started to appreciate the drive, even even with some back struggles, that driving helps to build up we start enjoying the drive 
just set the set the GPS to where we're going and just take off out across the country somewhere. And we know out there somewhere she'll quit telling us to turn around and find another route. We've driven all over Colorado. All, uh, back roads. We, one of the coolest things we've ever done was just drive down the road and we saw a tornado come up between two mountains and it come right, right towards us. We couldn't tell if it was going to be behind us or in front of us and we were trying to make our minds up. Do we speed up or slow down? But it didn't seem to be getting any closer. I'm not talking about a little dust devil now. We see them all the time. That's no big thing. We drive through them. Those are real cool coming across the sand. This was a tornado. It's coming out of a storm. It dropped down. And it's just a dust bowl on the ground. And we watch it. And it looks like it's just coming right to us. And it just turns. And we drive along beside it and take pictures and video it. And it's just incredible to see that. So we started appreciating the drive and started driving. And then. One of the reasons may be because we've had a few bad experiences on airplanes. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've ever been in an airplane before, but I was in one one time that dropped 3,000 feet in a pocket of air, and the deal fell out of the top, and it said, your seat cushion is now a flotation device. Your seat cushion is now a flotation device. And I'm like, yeah, well, we're going to float on the side of that mountain? That was from Colorado Springs to Denver. We quit flying, not because we were scared, but we were started to enjoy the drive and, 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 and those ways. But I remember on that last turbulent flight we had, I can't remember if it was going to Denver or coming back to Dallas, but we heard, well, this is your captain. I wish Brother Beckham had a mic because he'd done that on thousands of flights. But he said, this is your captain. Just want to let you know we're running into a little turbulence here at this altitude. And so we've been given permission and clearance to climb to 37,000 feet. It ought to be a little smoother ride there. I want to ask everybody to buckle up. We'll be there shortly. Don't lie. You repent too. But I realized something. We went from 32 to 32 to 37,000 feet in just a little bit. We went above the storm. Catch this right here before we get ready to baptize and before the singers get ready to sing us a powerful baptismal song. I don't know what you had in mind, but we might be changing gears. Listen, sometimes when we run into life storm, Instead of going low, you have clearance to go high. In our last political season, not the one that we're in now, but in, in the last one, I told some people, I said, you know what? Those people aren't real smart. They're, real, they're not real smart. You, you, you never get in a spraying competition with a skunk. You'll lose and you'll stink the longest. So sometimes the best thing to do, you're bigger, you're badder. You can do so, sometimes the best thing to do is just give that little dude his space. I'm going to fly up above this turbulence. We'll land safe on the other side. The storm will fall out. And whatever happens, happens. As long as we get landed 
be all right. Sister Beckham, I, I thought about this old song right here. How long have I been preaching? No, no, that's perfect. She said five minutes too long because she's got me on a 35-minute timer. That's perfect. That's pretty, y'all, y'all don't be offended. That's, the, that's her job. I mean, that's what she's supposed to do. So I think about this old song right here. It hit me today. We won't try to sing it probably unless, unless, unless you're just on it. But it says, He promised us that he would be a counselor, a mighty God, and the Prince of Peace. He promised us that he would be a father. That he would love us with a love that would not cease. Well, I've tried him and I've found his promises are true. Ever done that? He's everything he said. That he would be The finest words I know Could not begin to tell Just what Jesus really means to me For he's more wonderful Than my mind can conceive He's more wonderful than my heart can believe. He goes beyond. You ought to stand with me. My highest hopes and fondest dreams. He's everything that my soul ever longed for. Everything he promised And so much more More than amazing More than marvelous More than miraculous Could ever be He's more than wonderful That's what Jesus is to me I stand amazed when I think the king of glory would come to dwell within the heart of man oh I marvel just to know he really loves me When I think of who he is and who I am, for he is more wonderful. Hey, we ought to just lift our hands together right now. Come on, you may be a prisoner with a question right now. You ought to step out of your pew. You ought to walk to the altar. We're getting ready to be baptized. If I could get a man to go grab a couple of towels and take them to the left changing room. We're going to get ready in a few moments and baptize Gavin. And he's going to be promised an experience. Promised an experience. Brother Jarek, would you help me? Go to this little room right here by the baptistry and grab two towels. 
Take them to the left changing room. Thank you. Oh, everything he's promised. Come on. A prisoner with a question in the presence of a God with an answer. Hey, get three towels. Come on. That's what Jesus is. You know it. Lead us in. Hey, why don't you just get out of your pew, get out of your comfort zone, and just walk around this altar for a little bit. They're getting ready here in a moment to shift gears and play a song and sing or something. I just want us to feel the spirit of that old song. He goes beyond my highest hopes, my fondest dreams, my greatest failure. He's everything that my soul ever longed for, everything he promised and so much. Miraculous. He's more than wonderful. Say it. That's what Jesus is to me. Ah, come on, let's praise him right now. Somebody's about to take on the name of Jesus Christ in water baptism on a Wednesday night. Some prisoners with a question are about to be introduced to a God with an answer. Come on, let's just begin to pray right now, Life Point Church. Come on. We're fixing to go from a should. Whosoever should believe. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish. They shouldn't if they know Him. But you don't get a shall until you get in the baptistry. Somebody's about to go from a should to a shall in a moment's time. Y'all sing it. Come on, let's just have a little worship service here. <laughs> 